0: Hello and welcome to our new series of the Resonate podcast, Education. My name is Emily McGrath. It seems timely to explore education against the backdrop of COVID-19, lost learning, politics, protests, curricula and the ongoing reflections by many about what the very future of education might and should look like. For this first episode, we step back a little in time, as I explore my education in conversation with my sister Lucy and my friend Sarah. We think about the distinctiveness of a Church of England schooling, its positives and challenges, as well as themes of race, other religions and making stuff up for exams and we will continue this exploration of education into the summer. At Resonate, we aim to cultivate an open-minded space to explore ideas, experience different perspectives and listen to a range of voices. Now, on with the conversation.
1: Welcome back to of the Resonate podcast. I'm here today, back by popular demand, my sister again, Lucy, um, and also my very close friend, Sarah, is also joining us today. And we are going to be talking a little bit about Church of England schools. So Church of England schools can be very different. The one we went to was the small town Church of England school, and we're going to have a little bit of a reflect on that. Just reflecting on our experiences, not speaking of all Church of England schools everywhere, but we're going to have a little bit of a think about how going to a Church being the school affected us at school and since then. So to start us off thinking, why did we go to that school? How did we end up there?
2: We all went to the same church and that was the church school that was attached to our parish. So I guess all our parents just sent us there. Well, we have the same parents, Emily. <laughs>
1: <Good> clarification. <laughs>
0: all four of um, the
1: involved parents. I, I don't think it was a given that I definitely would go there. I think the chance was pretty hard but I do remember going around and looking at other schools that were quite close and I don't think I liked any of them and quite strongly remember that and also that I guess we all lived in the right part of town for the school and I guess lots of people we knew were going there or like through church or had been there people who were older than us I think ev- like everyone I knew had been there or was always going there
2: Um, I don't think I went to any of those other open days. I think once you were there, it was just like, this is the school, off you go. Yeah,
1: that's not surprising.
2: Yeah.
3: Was I always going to go? I think so. It was one of the best schools in the town at the time, as I recall. So I think that was definitely a factor, a deciding factor for my parents. So I don't have any recollection of visiting other schools with a view to potentially going there. But I might have done. My mum went to the school. So I guess if it was good enough for her, it was good enough for me. But yeah, I don't have any recollection of looking at any other schools. But then it was a long time ago. It was weird for me because with a church school, as I understand it, they don't have natural like feeder schools, unless there were Church of England primary schools attached to them. And there were only two of us from my primary school who went from that primary school to the secondary school that I went to. And I didn't really know that other person very well. And that, that was really daunting and weird. The vast majority of the people that I was in primary school with went to one other school in the town.
2: Oh, I had that, actually, because we went to a village school and everyone there went to a... I don't know where that secondary school was, but it was, like, the other side. And they all went there except for two people. I went to the C of E school and the other boy went to the Catholic school. And actually, so I wanted to go with all of them because they were my friends. I wanted to go to school with all my school friends. But one, that was super far away. And two, it wasn't the school that was selected by Emily. So, (laughs) yeah. Then I also didn't know anyone when I went, which was very daunting. So I left. Yeah,
1: because having said that, everyone I knew, I I guess I was thinking about within actually like the church and our family friends because it was the same. There were four of us who went from our primary school, but again, everyone else, obviously, same as Lucy. But I do remember going to look at the school that was so close to our house that you can see it from our house. It was quite a chaotic, like, looking around, There, there were, like, some kind of live snakes that were on the loose in the science lab and it didn't do What? what? So I think that school might have changed a bit since then.
2: Yeah, it's been literally rebuilt. See, what, what persuaded me to go to our school? Was the fact that when you looked round in the stairwell somewhere on the open day, they had the DV e tent up. And that just was really, <laughs> really fun. It's like, oh, a tent in the school. Yeah, I'll go to this school.
3: I remember right. having to do one of those open days and being like, OK, so we're going to put this tent up in this geography classroom.
1: Right. <laughs> Classic. Did we enjoy going to that school? Do you have kind of fond memories looking back?
2: I find it really hard to tell. Sometimes I think no, sometimes I think yes. I think I enjoyed it at the time but with hindsight and the perspective of an adult I have reassessed some of the things about the school and enjoy it less it's tainted my memories I would say
1: I definitely remember as a general thing overall enjoying going to that school and there were lots of like really great teachers that I remember like people that stuck out and think great experiences that I had again I think in hindsight there are a couple of things I don't know that they're necessarily they are some of them are specific to that school others maybe are just about education and how school is.
2: I think in general I actually don't like school is the issue the format doesn't really suit Mm. me I didn't like school I didn't like university I didn't like university take two even though I appreciate my degrees and the friends I made there so that was an issue in itself and the other thing I didn't always enjoy is having the family genius just like what, two school years, three school years ahead of me? And all the teachers (laughs) saying, oh, well, Emily wouldn't have done it like this. Your sister would have got an A star. Well, give my sister an A star. And I never got any credits because I didn't do work like Emily did. So
3: That's really terrible, isn't it? That is terrible. I was like... That doesn't, for me, that doesn't fit with the ethos of a church school or even any educational establishment that is decent.
2: Yeah, Interesting. Emily used to get like extra credit pages in your book and I rarely got to 25 credits and got the bronze I maybe got silver in year seven and then it was just like never however good my work was I've let I've obviously not held on to this I've really let it go it's really
1: yeah it's well, really good that you've let it go now interestingly at school once, uh, another friend and I did a little experiment which was that a friend copied my work exactly and handed it in, and I got a four star and they got a three.
2: Oh,
3: that's disgusting! I'm so mad. I mean, nice <laughs> for you, Emily.
1: No, but like it is—it is, it is interesting about how how careful you have to be as teachers. And now I work with young people, and I often think about that. How you won't get away from all your biases because that's what it essentially is. is a teacher, gets them mm. about people, and they just take that, but it does often make me think like how, how can you give young people a fresh start like when they come in and what? one of our like policies at work but I often think about that like how do you really make that I'll, I'll, obviously I'm sure I fail a lot of the time but at least try and keep that in my head because I remember those kinds of things from school.
3: How old were you when you conducted that experiment? And I think we we're about 13. You should have exposed
2: them after that.
3: Yeah. Also, I don't think that
2: would have gone down well.
3: <laughs> was it the same teacher?
2: Because what teacher did it yeah. you, know, you had the same exact piece of work? Yeah, it was the same teacher. Yeah. Well did perhaps off real? to them. <laughs> or did they just like look through like, oh Emily McGrath, she gets a four star, blah blah blah, gets a three.
3: On the one hand, I'm enraged. On the other hand, does that also point to the fact that teachers are under like ridiculous levels of pressure to get a lot? done in a very short space of time like you know both our mothers have experienced teaching my mum in a in a sort of more formal primary setting and it always used to I just it's just constant work constant churning out of work and I think I don't think that was just because it was her vocation I think it was because like needs must and all the work needs to be marked so On the one hand, I feel like, I feel really cross that that teacher did that. But on the other hand, I do wonder, you know, what is the root of it? Is it that they were biased unconsciously or otherwise against your friend, Emily, or towards you? Or is it actually just they were knackered?
1: I'm sure it's a bit of both uh, I, but I know that there have been some studies about teachers and if you they did these studies where they tell teachers that the children like the, that this was like a high ability group and then like a low ability group and the kind of when the teachers were told that that did have an impact on the grades they then gave that group and it was completely random it was not actually to do their ability it's all they just that's what they were told I think as with anything they were good good teachers they're great teachers they're not so good teachers but also humans have all sorts of biases and things and I guess it's like how aware you are of those so that you know when you're busy like how do you how do you think about that but
2: and it's a lot to do with the teachers because the school may have an ethos but if the teacher themselves doesn't share that or mm. is less aware is less professional I remember we so going into year 10 we obviously got set based on our SATs results And um, when we got into the class, English class, the first day, there was like four people in the class who the teacher said like, oh, I'm surprised to see you in the top set. And then it transpired that they weren't in the top set, but she had made it so, so obvious that she didn't think that those students were capable of achieving a a top grade or keeping up with the class. So then even if they had supposed to be in there, they obviously would have spent the whole year thinking, oh, well, I'm not good enough.
3: I think that slightly tenuously but I think that teachers don't realize necessarily just how much of an impact their words can have Mm. and I I remember we (laughs) what I was in a tutor group at this school our tutor was um well we were challenging apparently and she I don't really know how to describe her lacked resilience I guess and was also just a bit I I don't think that being a tutor was necessarily in her skill set. And she, at some point, she stopped being our tutor. And then, like, we had a series of supply tutors as it were that were just random well they weren't random but staff from across the school who didn't already have tutor groups and I remember one of them said to us oh what's the effect of like you're the worst behaved tutor group that have ever existed or something something like suitably dramatic and I remember really taking that to heart because I thought well I'm obviously I was goody two-shoes and we did have some challenging kids in our in our tutor group, many of whom were sort of the reason I didn't really enjoy school, actually. But but I remember years later I went back to the school and worked there for a little while. And um, just for, for clarification, I was not a teacher. Um, I would I would be a terrible teacher. Uh, but I, I worked in as sort of admin support, and I and I saw this teacher again and I spoke to him and and I said to him oh you you um you once said this to us and he said oh no I didn't I said yeah you do I remember where I I could I could go and sit in the seat I was sat in when you said it and he was like oh well it wasn't true and I said well I'd really like you to think about the impact of your words then because I've carried that for a really long time and he he didn't apologize and he sort of shrugged it off and I you know some of it is about me needing to be more resilient but I do think it speaks to how it kids just they pick up on what you say and then it gets ingrained in them
1: my tutor had a pillow you could punch if you got stressed my first one she kept it in the cupboard
3: I don't know how I feel about that (laughs)
1: I'm
3: not sure I do either (laughs) but it's true Our, our tutor was the kind of tutor that got locked in a cupboard
2: oh i had that tutor for one year (laughs) and Uh, she still got locked in a cupboard god love her they had to install a phone in that cupboard i think (laughs) even (laughs) if that's an urban legend that's really my tutor let me be the let me be the register monitor in sixth form because i (laughs) happened to make. you're so cool i made this really offhand comment about how in primary school they always used to pick a register monitor every day and I was basically never chosen and then we made a deal that because I was always a bit late so if I agreed to always collect the register I wouldn't be late because I would have the register so I collected it every morning and every lunch and I was never late to tutor again it was
3: great that is that is excellent excellent work from that teacher on so many levels So many, levels. so many levels. Also ridiculous, because the teacher would have had to walk past where they pick the register up from. Oh, 100%, yeah. yeah. She knew that too.
1: <laughs> Brilliant. Notwithstanding the fact this is the only experience we had, do you think there was anything that was distinctive about our school because it was a Church of England school?
2: Well, we had communion services, obviously. That was a bit distinctive.
3: Do you know the one thing that stuck out to me more than anything, and maybe it speaks to my family's involvement in said school because my dad is the i don't i don't even know what his job title is anymore money man he's he's in charge of the money but the when i was reflecting on it and and i was thinking about since we left my main takeaway actually is that being a church of england school meant having less money
1: yeah for sure
3: interestingly I was I'm just making it sound like an absolute family affair my sister also works at
1: the school (laughs) I mean it is an absolute family
3: it is an absolute family affair who else has worked there my husband has worked (laughs) there and my brother so the whole family my mum's the only one who hasn't worked there but anyway I so I was talking to my sister and my dad about it the other day because my dad was telling me about some some year sevens and some vandalizing that was going on And so my sister was telling me that one of the members of staff recently resorted to saying to one of these kids was, we spend a quarter of a million pounds a year, Mm. fixing the damage caused by bad behavior and vandalism and graffiti and all of that. So when you think that this school is a dump, actually, if you guys (laughs) stopped trashing it quite so much, we would have more money to spend, but I just thought, I thought that was really interesting because I just thought that's such a huge amount of money.
1: Well, I remember like, while we were at school, a huge amount of the other schools were entirely rebuilt around that. Mm-hmm. It was like PFI initiatives, I think. And it was a big challenge. Your dad did amazing work to like get some new parts of the school, but it wasn't, everything else was like completely, completely new, the whole building. And yeah. it was like, our school got a new gym eventually after I left and like a drama studio and stuff but most of this the shell of the school or the core of the school is is still the same I think as when it opened basically. well the
2: cafeteria yeah. as well so there was yeah. a drama studio with like a lot of classrooms that was that like small new building yeah and then the new gym and excuse me
3: I think you'll find it's a refectory
2: Refectory. I thought you were going to say, I think you'll find it's a really old gym now.
3: It's a really, well, it is a really old gym now, but it's a, it's a refectory, which also I think it wouldn't be called that in a non-Church of England school.
2: I took my exams in the new gym 16 years ago. That's disgraceful. (laughs) It is. And we had to take our shoes off to do the exams. (laughs) It was like the fancy basketball court and they had covered it all over, but you had to leave your shoes at the door. (laughs) it's a massive pile of shoes must have stunk
1: I think I do remember a few people standing out as people who were I don't know who talked about their faith or who had a faith or like who were very open about that and I I suspect that was distinctive to school not specifically Church of England actually very famous Catholic teacher who kind of would talk about her faith quite a lot are you talking
2: about who I think you're talking about <laughs> I, I
1: think, I'm sure the yes.
2: Friday prayer oh there you go that was a, that was something that happened at our school that maybe didn't happen other other places the Friday prayer of what that talk- oh right you had your lesson on a Friday afternoon then you had to do the Friday prayer which was thank you god it's Friday and it's time to go home
3: <laughs> and, amazing
2: and I remember going in I don't know why to something else at the end of the day and blah 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 and it was year sevens and she said lucy and lucy is here to lead us in the friday prayer
3: <laughs> it was great. i so. loved that teacher yeah. and i there were three things that i took from what she taught me one was i can't actually remember the story but i just remember her talking once about and god said to person and what the people listening can't hear see is me holding out my hand uh but she was like talking as if there was a person sat on her hand because it was meant to be God's hand or something. That is not a, really a thing, but I often think, oh, God said to person, for no reason whatsoever. But she taught me two prayers that I still use Is one related to parking? Yeah, Hail Mary full of grace, please find me a, <laughs> parking, me a parking space. space. And the other one must be, is the other one related to St. Anthony? Tony, Tony, look around, something's lost and must be found. And yeah. I use it every time please. I lose something. Me too. I used it yesterday. I um, I think
2: I went into a car park with another friend and we were <laughs> in a hurry and we were late and she said Qu- quick because she was also at school do the car park prayer so I said Hail Mary full of grace please find us a parking space and one appeared in a really busy car park <laughs> right in front of us and I thought well that works doesn't it works every time uh, she was excellent at teaching parables and I remember she taught us parable about not hiding your light under a bushel and to do that she uh, got a tea light on the table and just put a polystyrene cup on top of it and just um, and it no. went up in flames <laughs> and said and that is why you must not hide your light under a bushel and she this- did a one where she had the boys sitting on chairs on the table I can't remember which parable that was
3: <laughs> the parable of health and safety <laughs> We shared
2: a little like acting, but when we took our exam, did that class all get an A? Pretty much, because we were like, which which theatre was she doing when we did this parable? Oh, <laughs> uh, that's brilliant!
1: I remember when we um, when we first started at the school. So the head teacher changed, like after I'd been there a couple of years or something. But when we first started there, there were like these compulsory. I think it was just like a compulsory hymn in assembly and we have these like green hymn books uh, new
3: english hymnal no.
1: yeah and it is like a semi ridiculous situation because firstly it was nearly always the same hymn because the headmaster had a favourite hymn. So it was like, Seek ye first, the kingdom of God. Our youth worker had been to the school, the same head teacher, and reported they had sung the same hymn every assembly as well. But then it was super uncool to be in any way religious, particularly when you first started out at school, ironic. But therefore, nobody wanted to sing, but you could get a detention for not <laughs> singing. So therefore, everyone's... <laughs> with the hymn book and mouthful words so it's a room full of people not singing but no one could prove it so <laughs> very weird because it was an almost silent hall except the teachers singing and the piano and then everyone like pretending they were singing the sing song every assembly
2: what i remember is so later on there were we had the gospel choir that was actually quite good and they would do assemblies all sorts of different things but when i first began It was like a little choir that would sing from the Green Hymn Book in a special assembly, or I guess communion, with your father, Sarah, just stood up there casually playing the guitar, (laughs) singing away by himself. Because of this whole thing, people weren't singing in communion. So there was your dad playing the guitar, like singing away, this little gospel choir, sort of singing, but not really. And possibly that teacher who was a maths teacher playing the piano.
1: There was like a Christian union and there were other groups like that. I don't know if that's distinctive. I guess you could have those in other schools. Maybe like as you got older, there was a bit more, I don't know if that's just about becoming more confident, but there's a bit more um, freedom to be whoever you wanted to be. And if that was a Christian, then that was okay, I think. And then there was sort of an influx of, in the sick form for us, there was a bit of an influx of other Christians from the town next door. And that sort of changed things a bit. The other thing I think was distinctive is that there was almost no sex education taught in any of my lessons. Um, Be-
2: is, is that distinctive to C of e though? Because I well that, have understood from my friends that there was no sex ed- education anywhere. Well
1: that, yeah, well, that's what I was kind of wondering. That some people definitely had more than we have from like talking to people of, of my age so I don't know what because equally I never really think of the school as being like really stringent in a set of like Christian beliefs so it's hard to believe that there were people who were who were advocating that we not learn it it doesn't seem to be that but I definitely know other people who talk about like even just basic fundamental things they were taught and um, which we weren't so I don't know whether it's just <laughs>
2: I think it got a bit better because <laughs> they redid the PSHE stuff and had a whole new program when I was maybe you 11 sort of onwards and it was a bit better after that what I was actually just going to say is what I do remember is that same catholic religious teacher she pushed a very hard abstinence agenda but also remember that we had the anti-abortion charity that came in and they gave everyone the awful little feet and everyone just like were cool because they were little feet and everyone wore them I remember that she said because they came into our I guess to our RE class she, she said put your hand up if you believe in abortion and lots of people put their hands up. And at the end, she basically said, after we've seen the whole thing, blah, blah, said, and now who believes in abortion? And then she shamed people that still did. So wow, that was sort of the, the negative side of that fantastic teacher.
1: Well, I think it was part of the GCSE coursework, which the other thing is that everyone took our RE or RS, whatever it's called, at our school, which is definitely like a compulsory thing because of the school. We were only allowed to have the little feet if we um, made a promise to her at the door that we wouldn't get an abortion. Then also she told all the boys in the class that they had no say at all and they couldn't say anything in the whole class while she was there. Um, But she was like an external person who was brought in. But there wasn't like a balance thing. It wasn't... Because I I think our coursework was about different views on abortion, but we definitely didn't have the pro-choice balancing out that. I, I remember a lot of people very strongly remembering that woman coming in I
3: I think it's one thing to sort of have that opinion but it's a whole different matter to I am going to use the word inflict inflict that opinion on on young people who are you know trying to form their own opinions and thoughts and stuff I absolutely think it's in some of the stuff that we were told and taught and whatever was like, it was really important, but like you said, Emily, it was just not balanced at all. And and I can't see that being something they would do now. I don't know whether some of it is to do with the fact that I'm older now and stuff, but I feel like the school is probably a much more balanced, welcoming, open place that actually, interestingly to me, I feel is far more Christ-like than it was when we were there, actually, because I, I found it to be quite a... Like, it was very strict. Some of the rules and stuff that existed were... There was a reason for them and stuff, but some of them were so antiquated.
1: I just remember there was a big fight about girls being able to wear trousers that went on until that was one.
3: Actually, I think... And I guess school was probably like this all over the UK, but it felt like... If you weren't in the favour of the teachers, you did not have a good time.
2: No, and you then ended up in one department or another because I was really only in the favour properly in the music department. So therefore, I just did all that. I didn't care about sports because I wasn't in favour there. They weren't particularly supportive of me or anything else. And there were other departments, but the art department, I absolutely loved art, completely unsupportive. So I just stopped doing it. So I think that was sad that, as you're saying, you only were supported if you were in their
1: little clique. I think there are lots of things we were identifying that we think probably are a bit general. But do you think that attending a Church of England school specifically kind of shaped you in any way? Do you think that that did change you? I'm not sure. Probably there were some things that gave me confidence to do when I, I was there to explore elements of faith and particularly around the time I was in sick form things like the school held that big mission week and we had like a budget and we were allowed the freedom to kind of put that event on and create it and have those things which I think probably gave me confidence in life and space and I think for me I probably had a different experience because I I guess just was able to do a lot of work that's how I operated, I guess rules were kind of comforting and therefore I just you know, went out of my way to make sure I never broke any of them. So that meant I could therefore sail through in a different way. So I think then there were teachers who did kind of, there were were teachers I can think of who like shaped my life and kind of encouraging things that I was good at or encouraging me to, to try different things. I don't know to what extent that's really the school or not.
3: I think it's really hard to say because I only went to one secondary school. I've got no kind of comparison. When I talked to my husband about some of the things that happened at his school, he didn't go to a Church of England school and I don't think it was particularly different, although he did have sex education. (laughs) Because sometimes he talks about things like, oh, blah, blah, blah. And when they did this in sex ed and I'm like, what are you talking about? I don't miss school. But Lucy, I think I was talking to you about this a while ago, about when people say, oh, school were the best days of my life. Absolutely weren't the best days of my life. Not even close. No, Sucked, frankly. But but I don't, from the conversations that I've had with my husband, I don't think that there are, I don't feel like there was anything massively different necessarily, But but it's so hard to say, isn't it?
2: I think in my case, Now, this was because it was at the C of E school, but I don't know if there would have been a similar but different opportunity elsewhere. But once I was doing a lot of music, I did like music GCSE and A-level. So once I was doing that and I was in a lot of the extracurricular stuff, then you actually got the opportunity because there were communion services, for example, to like play a lot of music in public, which is obviously something I still do to a certain extent. And like begin to get that experience and like plan the service or the music. What do we want? Who's going to play it? Arrange it. And that overlapped into the church because the youth group and the school, There was all the sort of same people. Remember when we did it then in church and I did, we did like a Christmas service I literally orchestrated because they said anyone that plays an instrument has to be allowed to be involved. So we had like year seven kids playing the trumpet and like a year nine person on the flute. So I just orchestrated all the hymns and said, here's your music and directed them and then we did a service and I've never really appreciated that, that was actually quite a skill to have just been yeah. like oh I can just do this and that is because we're a CV school but I might have done it elsewhere.
3: I was gonna say I like that you said I just orchestrated the <laughs> like oh yeah just casually arrange all that stuff.
1: I think that's what I was meaning I think there were opportunities to take ownership of things quite a lot of them were related to things around the church elements of the school like the communion services or like the kind of mission we they put on. I guess it's sort of interesting that we had that free reign to do things and I can't quite see what you would have had but maybe if you were older you would have had the opportunity to in another school kind of help with the drama production or something I don't know it it doesn't necessarily feel like there was an, an immediate equivalent There would
2: have always been with music, there would have always been opportunities to play music at like school events, maybe even non-church songs at other sort of assemblies. But yeah, as Sarah said, I only went to one school, so it's hard to know what would have happened otherwise.
1: Do do you think through that school, Sarah, you're talking about kind of Christ-like elements of faith or church or God were like revealed or were there, were present? Because I kind of have this sense that there was an underlying thing going on, but it wasn't very it wasn't it was sort of take it or leave it if you're interested in it mm-hmm. and like particularly once we got a bit older once the compulsory seek you first got the <laughs> but then then it was like there's a communion service come to it or don't come to it and most people could decide to go or not and I don't really remember like teaching element if I compare it to say church or youth groups or like Sunday school kind of things I don't re- remember out with kind of RS but even then that was more like a curriculum. They did
2: have though they did have assemblies that the tutors got that they were supposed to go through. But I remember so not my tutor was it our younger sister's tutor maybe that teacher was doing an as an assembly in tutor And she had come to get me because I think she was supposed to be teaching about specific things like compassion or something like that. So she's like, we're going to do a piece of theatre. You're going to walk in and then I'm going to shout at you. And then I'm going to discuss with the class how they reacted to that. And it was from this religious perspective. So she was all about that. And it was really funny because I had to like not laugh. And I did it that I walked out and her class was so upset. And they told her why from this kind of school, blah, 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 blah. My tutor would say, right, here's the assembly. Just read to the top. People all agree we're done yes put it away she was also a catholic but she just was like no I'm not doing that I'm not doing that either with this tutor group or just at all so that I think was quite different depending which tutor you got
3: yeah I think you're probably right I think there's something about having structures in place to ensure that there's accountability is quite important if that's what if that's what you want to get across It's like any organization, isn't it? If that's what if that's the ethos that you want to get across and that's the way that you wanna function, you've got to make sure that all your staff are doing that. They used to do they had a weekly staff meeting very first thing in the morning. And there was definitely always a like a prayer in that. There was often like a different I think different members of the senior leadership team had to do reflections. And I think that kind of stuff still happens, which I think is I think that sets a tone probably for the day or for the week that you, you may well not get in other schools in the same way.
1: Because I guess there are things around assemblies they are actually an element of worship. Those are statutory requirements still for all schools. But again, like talking to a few different people, like both staff who teach and things in schools and, and other friends who went to different schools, I kind of get the impression that that's just a bit varied, the amount to which the religious element exists in other mm. schools. I guess you would say that within our school the kind of assemblies, particularly the, the central ones, definitely the assembly was had a religious note to it, a religious kind of element.
2: Do you, you say that though, you say they had a non-negotiable religious element. I remember the head teacher telling this great story about how he was camping somewhere and they had put their food up in the tree, like their picnic bottles, but like to make it bear safe. And they came out of the tent and discovered that a bear was up the tree eating all the chocolate. Don't know what that has to do with religion. And then I also remember your dad doing an assembly, Sarah, where he just had this book about ridiculous things. And it was like a garage with steps up to it. <laughs> and like, That's ridiculous. You can't drive a car in a disabled toilet with a step, blah, blah, blah. I don't. I then also didn't know what the religious element was, but it was hilarious. Everyone loved it.
1: Just because you didn't understand the religious element doesn't mean there wasn't one. Well. Forgotten the religious element.
2: Could have forgotten it. If I didn't understand at the time, though, that also was a sign they were pitching it wrong. Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I was just thinking
3: that. I was just thinking exactly that. It's like when you're an adult and you watch back certain things that you watched as a kid, like TV shows and stuff, and you're like, oh, that's what that was getting at
1: yeah now I remember the assembly your dad did was about how you should um stick at, persevere at something, and how our friend had been very sad when his favorite team had sold his favorite player, but he still carried on being a supporter of that team for many years um, still is still is
2: did anyone tell the starfish story that I apparently never heard and don't know what it is, but everyone else does
1: <laughs> i tell but this story that I heard a million times at school.
2: I have no recollection of having <laughs> heard this either. And <laughs> I didn't see a meme about it or something. And I was like, yeah. oh, I don't understand. And you were like, you know that story that always tell youth group school all the time.
1: So. Yeah, it's the story about the boy on the beach, goes down to the beach, and you can see the beach is covered with starfish everywhere. And so he starts to throw the starfish back into the sea one at a time and a little while later a man walks past and says what are you doing what's the point of doing that it's not going to make any difference the beach is covered in starfish and he says well it'll make a difference to this one and then this one and then this one and you could keep going but I must have heard that story a billion times but I'm glad sinking.
3: <laughs> yeah see I feel like I need that I wish I'd heard that a billion times I need that reminder of that every day i just remember the never-ending parable of the man who built his house upon the sand
2: and the foolish man the foolish man and also
3: that's that's not from school that's from the bible
2: well exactly but they tell it at school and separately not from the bible the three little pigs it was used in religious context somehow don't know heard that from the secondary school right but no starfish.
1: I, I, can't, I don't think I can recall this but do you ever kind of remember the impact of a Church of England school on people who were you, your friends who perhaps were from other faiths or had no faith at all I, I can remember that idea of nobody talking about anything like that at all when we first started the school I remember having friends by other faiths and talking to them about their faith but I don't think I stopped to ask what the impact of attending a Church of England school was on them
2: I can tell you that when, after you guys had left, I don't know what year I was in, the Christian Union was run not by a CV e group of students, but by a group of students that went to different Christian churches. And they had this big campaign that they had, like, Christian Union on, say, a Monday or something. And then they had this, like, fun thing where everyone could come in and, like, play pool and, like, have snacks and blah, blah, blah which was just supposed to be, like, an outreach thing. So they yeah lured I'm going to use the word lured. Sneaky
3: evangelism.
2: Well it wasn't it was awful and I think they got in trouble for it because so all these people that were there including people like Hindus uh, I think there was a Sikh student was there some Muslim students some atheists Uh, it got to the end they thought and they went to leave and this group of students closed all the doors and forced them to stay and said well you've been here now so now you have to listen to the scripture because we're going to convert you and they did get reported for that and I think Eventually, they actually weren't allowed to run the Christian Union anymore, but it took a little while. So that isn't a very good example, but I mean, that's the thing I remember. I actually think that the school obviously did have, so had a lot of Christians, like Siri, some Catholics. It had a large group of people that were Hindu and like students that were Muslim. And then when I was there, maybe one or two Sikh students. And the school was so segregated. It was so segregated. And... I don't think in religious studies except for maybe in like year seven you talked about other religions and it was a school that like had other religions right as a priority group is that still right Sarah yeah but, yeah. yeah but then there was no discussion and I remember that seemingly had it, it has been like that forever like in the corner of the common room when we were in sixth form the students all the Muslim and Hindu and Sikh students just sat together mm. and then all the Christian and white students sat together. And there wasn't really dialogue in that sense. The dialogue I did have, interestingly, was this one guy who was a Muslim and his friend that were Hindu. We used to sit in science actually and have really deep conversations about that stuff. But that was just because this one guy was really like, just interested in religion. And because of course, Islam and Christianity have that link. So he liked to talk about what was similar, what was different, but it was nothing structured. It just happened to be because I was friends with them. and They sat behind me in science and we didn't want to do science.
1: <laughs> I do remember the school being segregated in the sick form. I don't, I mean, I'd, I'm not sure that that's to do with it being a Church of England school, more to do with just how our society can be segregated. And particularly because I remember having a really close group of friends up till about year nine, maybe, who were like a big group of friends who were Hindu or were culturally Indian, just gradually those friendships fell apart. And then by the time we were in Sikh form, as you say, there was like a group of those students who all sat together and didn't integrate, or we didn't integrate within the Sikh form. I don't remember there being any comment about that or any encouragement of that not to be, and those things just feel like they followed some of the kind of patterns, I think, that exist often racially within our society. But as I said, I'm not sure that's because it was a church school
2: No, I just think that it was a church school and perhaps like they have a different I don't know ethos and that you would hope that they might tackle it in a different way than other schools would so it's not because it was CV, but I think because it was CV, I expected more from them
3: for sure yeah but I think it's a difficult one isn't it because you can't force kids to hang out with each other and at the end of the day you have to remember that you're trying to herd a bunch of 1200 kids so it's it, yeah, <laughs> yeah it's it's not easy and you can't you can't force them to hang out with each other i mean i i certainly i know that a lot of the people that i knew who were of different faiths the reason that they were at that school as opposed to a non-religious school was because their parents or their families wanted them to be in an educational setting that was more in keeping with their values. And even though it wasn't the same religion, the ethos thing was was really important. And, and also, I think there might have also been something about people potentially feeling slightly safer in that kind of environment, actually, because you know that at least or you would hope that a christian school wouldn't tolerate making anybody feel bad about any religion or practice or whatever that they might have how that actually like plays out in practice not always the same thing but
1: and i guess using a lens that we're probably more used to looking at now, looking at some of the challenges around race in our society, in our schools, I think you definitely might challenge some of those things. And you might say, yes, it's hard for schools, but actually what do they, act, you know, not specific that school, but what do schools do to actively encourage students to look at their biases to address kind of racism or structural racism or um, implicit racism or lack of integration? Um, not not forcing students to be friends, but actually not right. that or not increasing spaces to talk.
3: yeah, about. yeah. Um, on the on the religious education thing though, what I will say is that I don't have any particular recollection of being taught about Islam. but I definitely remember being taught about Judaism.
1: I was going to say that. I remember, like, having to create a... Like, a seder plate. No, I was remembering I had to create a Jewish boy, um, like a po- <laughs> like, like a, a poster kind of thing, with all the different um religious things that he would wear. Ah, uh, uh, right, yeah. Like, but it was, like, proper, like, life-size boy.
2: I think the curriculum might have changed when I went to school, because we did... So in the beginning, in Year 7, we did, like, a module on christianity judaism buddhism hinduism and islam and we had to i remember specifically islam because we had to like write down the different times of the call to prayer and we had to name all the elements on the mosque and we had to write about the is it called the hajj Mm -hmm. like mecca and stuff yeah and actually i think islam hinduism and christianity were the the three that we mainly focused on because that was the main faith groups of the school
3: yeah that makes sense say make
2: seder plate and we did not have to make a Jewish boy
3: I just remember making a Seder plate and being like this is gross I'm like sticking things to a paper plate and then like classic school uh, display thing and then just being like stapled to the
1: I was just remembering how this isn't to do with the school but to do with just the GCSE curriculum but you used to have to do all this for GCSE you just have to sort of say what would a Christian think about this and you'd just be like well some Christians would think this on the other hand other Christians would think this but yet again a third mystical group of people might have a completely different opinion you just have to like learn these different viewpoints and like I
2: don't remember that you know what we were taught for taking RE exams there was one that was on the bible and what was it um, which gospel was it mark Mark's. yeah the other one was about yeah religion and so she told us because it's a religion paper and it's a christianity paper if at any point you really don't know the answer but the question was like why does this happen you literally can just write because it's god's will and they cannot mark
3: you down for that because it's true that sounds like bobbins to me yes you say that but it worked. there was something so you you got 100%, did you, in your exam? I got
2: very high in that exam, yeah. And the other one, when we did the mock exam, <laughs> she was like, tell the pa- this parable. And she told my mum at parents' evening that Lucy wrote an absolutely brilliant description of this parable, so many details, blah, blah, blah. blah. It's a shame it's not one of the ones actually in the Bible.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it was wonderful. <laughs> How do you feel now about church of england schools
2: i don't have much opinion on them i think they can be very good i think it's just like any other schools that they can be good or not good it can be done well it can be done less well there can be an excellent school with poor teachers the idea of them in itself isn't bad but i just think it's very circumstantial
0: I think I like the
1: idea of the church doing practical things, but I'm not convinced that that needs to come along with the Church of England ethos. And we've said ethos a few times, and I don't actually know what that was. Like, we heard the word ethos at school, but I don't really know what the ethos was that the Church of England had in the school.
2: The Um, ethos, Emily, was don't throw litter in the courtyard or you will be on litter duty.
3: And don't eat in the eat in the corridors or you will be in litter duty. Yeah,
2: and don't have your shirt untucked or you will be on litter duty.
3: (laughs) If in doubt, you will be picking up litter.
1: You know, like our younger sister, like, reflected as an adult, isn't it really weird in an era of environmentalism that what we were taught at school is that (laughs) litter is a punishment, something that only bad people do.
3: So This feels like a bit of a bold thing to say, I think. But I feel like whilst I like the idea of C of E schools, the reality is that uh, I guess I have an issue with selective schools. So in order for me to be consistent with that belief and that issue, I guess I have to say that I don't agree with the idea of C of E schools. So for me, education should be equal or equitable um, and as soon as you start having selective schools, that starts to become potentially problematic. Um, and I'm going to be really honest and say I think that schools should be state funded and state run. I think if you look at some of the issues in the U.S. education system, they point to kind of a lack of federal management and regulation. So as much as I can understand why people in the U.K. might like the idea of having more control over their children's education or more of a say in it, for me, I'm I'm not sure that's right um it, education should be decided upon and delivered by experts and just because you are a parent or a carer of a child doesn't mean you're an expert I think bodies like Ofsted are really important if if they're used correctly and constructively and I think that the Department for Education should be straight state run but but I don't think it should be used as a kind of political tool, which often I think it is. I'm getting a bit deep now, but this, and it's kind of going beyond the scope of the original question. But for me, the idea of a selective school is linked to the idea of an increased in inequality or inequity, inequity within the system. And I don't think it should be about where you live or what religion you are as to whether you get a good education or not. And it kind of makes me think about a quote from the West Wing from Sam Seaborn. So he says, education is the silver bullet. Education is everything. We don't need little changes. We need gigantic revolutionary changes. Schools should be palaces. Competition for the best teachers should be fierce. They should be getting six figure salaries. Schools should be incredibly expensive for government and absolutely free of charge for its citizens, just like national defence. That's my position. I just haven't figured out how to do it yet. And I was really struck by that. And it's always sort of stuck with me. And I guess I wholly subscribe to it. And for me, the idea of selective schools messes with that. So a bit like Sam Seaborn. I don't know. I don't really know the answer on how to do it. But I guess I feel like we need to be looking for ways to make education better, more equal and giving all of our children uh, the best possible start in life. And I think, for me, I, I think that the way of doing that is, is to make them more consistent, um, not less.
2: I was thinking afterwards, actually, when we, I, after I answered that question, I was thinking back to the teachers, and there were very few teachers that I felt liked me or supported me and that was one of my biggest issues with school Had the same maths teacher for four years she really didn't like me she, she told me if your mother was a fly on the wall in this lesson she'd see why you're not very good at maths and I had an English teacher that didn't rate me even though English was one of my strongest subjects and I got one of the highest grades in my SAT in year nine and she came up to me and went well I'm very surprised to see you're going to be in the top set next year as an adult I feel like the teachers at our school underestimated me like 80% of the teachers I had completely underestimated me and that I think is the reason I didn't like
1: school. And It's interesting because um, teachers quality varies human beings obviously vary but I guess it does come back to feeling a little bit like you kind of expect better in Church of England school not because like Christians are better people but it is interesting this idea of ethos this idea of like students it is just interesting that you kind of and not all teachers there were Christian or had faith. And so it's not about actually that, but it isn't you feel like there should be a tone set because if you're saying like, this is who we are, then. I guess it's like you
2: were saying, Sarah, with these sort what was it? The, was it the SLT, the senior leadership team that met and did these things? I guess you would hope that there would be more things like that so that the staff perhaps would be a more cohesive group. And there would be a sort of a similar experience for students, no matter who they met as it were yeah uh, i,
1: I think like, i'm I, i'm really conscious that while i enjoyed school a lot of people you guys are talking about but other friends we had my other sister not just that they didn't really enjoy school but actually the way that people that teachers spoke to them or things just the kinds of things you're saying they see but I can think of numerous examples of like a friend of ours who teachers said that she wasn't going to achieve anything, went on to uni and got a first. Or some of the things that were said to our younger sister because she had like SEND, just constant underestimating based on that. And I, I don't know what to what extent that is, just how education was, those sorts of things and just different attitudes. But again, it does come back to me feeling like overall a church member school should be better. even if
3: I think that there is something that is potentially I think that um, there might have been something about it that was to do with it being a Church of England school but I think some of that is you know when you like think of really old school you know like convent schools and stuff like that I, I I think that we were obviously it wasn't a convent school we weren't taught by scary nuns and it wasn't a Netflix drama but like it I I think that the school at the time we were there was starting to come out of that mindset a little bit that I think probably was was a thing for church schools I think church schools had always been thought of as being places that were slightly more strict and I don't know whether there is any truth in that but I but I think I think historically, the standard that you would hold a church school to is at, at that time would have would have just been changing from somewhere that was really strict and girls will wear skirts that are no, you know, that are knee length and everything's prim and proper and just very old school. And I I think that the time we I think it I think it feels like a very different school now. That's certainly the impression that I get.
1: That's nice. Approve. (laughs) Well, on that note, then, positives to the future. Thank you very much, Sarah and Lucy, for your contributions and your reflections through time on Church of England schools and education. Thank you. That's right.
0: (laughs) I'll
1: just... Stop you can recording,
0: stop recording, you don't have to record yeah. all those funny noises This podcast was produced by me, Emily McGrath, and thank you to our special guests this month, Sarah Swift and Lucy McGrath. The podcast was brought to you by the Resonate Bristol team, associated with St. Stephen's and Holy Trinity Hotwell's churches. The music was created by Scott Holmes, accessed through the Free Music Archive. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook at Resonate Bristol. Join us again next time.